0: Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon, and remember. You are loved. Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. 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 All right, so. So, praise God. We have we have something a little bit different, special today. Um, and, um, and, and you know, we'll have you going your way today. And we know you probably have plans. And uh, I, I know that we're going to try to build this slip and slide at some point in my backyard. So, if you want to just swing by the house and just see the kids come by, we're going to have just like a slip and slide. I think tomorrow we're going to start it. And just have the, we don't have a pool. So, we're just going to, you know, us Cubans, we say lavanguera, you know, with the hose. We just, Field day with the hose and and, uh, wet the kids and let them go on the sip and slide and and it'll be a fun labor day as we cook some dogs and burgers. So um, enjoy your family, enjoy each other, and take a moment, if you can, to rest. How many of you can say amen? Rest. But for right now, we need your attention before you get into that rest mode. Um, Pastor Frank Trotta is with us today. I'm going to ask him to come up. Amen. Amen. Praise God. We're so grateful for him. Love him. And uh, we're gonna be just going back and forth today. And, um, and really, uh, Pastor Frank is a blessing. And not only is he, well, I don't wanna get too far ahead of what he does for Love Life, but he's a preacher, he's a pastor at heart. And when you give him the opportunity to speak, he, 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 he will speak. And brother, I'm just getting used to this stuff. So like, there's like a little let, la- you could just pop it up. Move it, you, if you wanna go higher, you can make it higher. All right, thank you. So whatever, we'll just make it very, very home, like if you're at the house. But we wanna talk a little bit about Love Life. Because this Wednesday, we're going to be having a fast and a prayer. So we're going to open up the church at 730. And we're going to be praying for for love life and for um, certain topics, certain things that we're going to be discussing on Wednesday to get us prepared for uh, Saturday's walk. And on Saturday in the morning, we're going to be heading out. We're going to be talking about all that. And we're going to do a prayer walk. And uh, so it's just going to be a special week leading to uh, Saturday. And then Sunday, we're, we're, we're back uh, together at this. So yeah. Pastor Frank's with us. I've, I've known him for many years. And I'm gonna, I want to share this real quick before we get into this. Um, about a, how, how long ago was that first initial meeting that we had? I don't even know. Oh,
0: last year. Yeah. Last, year? last year. So
1: about a least. year ago, so for over a year, and you've heard this maybe before, so forgive me for just repeating it. But I, I had him in my heart, and I would follow him on, I think it was Instagram. And in my heart, I kept saying, man, I need to reach out. To Frank and I knew that I needed to just talk to him about something. I just didn't know, like, really, what it was. I just know I, I just had to get with him. And out of nowhere, he shoots me a text one day or something. He says, "Hey, let's get together. Let's get some lunch or whatever." And I said, "Dude, this is crazy. I've been wanting to get with you. I think I even I, I think I even told my wife like I don't know what it is, but I need to get with Pastor Frank." Um, but I told him I go. I've been wanting to get with you. So yeah, absolutely. Let's let's get together. So he sh- we sit down and we go we go like to a Panera bed or something. Yep. And he shares with me his heart about his love life specifically and he's telling me where he's at in the last few years and what the Lord has been doing in him and at the end he just after he, he just explained everything he said so pray about it and get back to me and let me know what you think if this is something that you want to kind of get involved with or something you want to partner with and I said I don't have to pray like for for a long time the Lord has been telling me to call you so I guess this is the reason yeah. so my answer is yes just um when is the when is the yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, the <laughs> yeah. the walkthrough, whatever yeah. you guys call it. Yeah. and I'll be there. And I think it's the same week we were there. Uh, two weeks, almost two weeks later. Yeah, yeah. That. So, so so special. So we have him with us. He's gonna share a little bit. Um, I don't know if you want to open up with. Yeah. Anything. Well, no, I'm yeah.
0: excited. I'm excited to be here. So thanks that we get to be in our own house with our own people today. Just grateful. <laughs> My wife is here. My daughter and, and my daughter's boyfriend are here with us today. So just excited. And just a quick question. Did that slip and slide, is that for big people too, for adults too? Or I'm, just, I'm
1: gonna, just kids? Well, I'm gonna be honest. Oh, okay.
0: All right. <laughs> but no, we are we are delighted to be here with, with Ness family today. And just excited just to share with you really what God is doing. And I just I just want to start with this, Rigo, as we said, I mean, and you guys know this and you know this well, as we sung just a few moments ago, this is all about Jesus. Um, it, that's why we're here. That's that's who gives us strength to do what we do. So uh, Love Life is here today, but it's not about Love Life. It's about Jesus, and we're excited to be able to share with you what God is doing through the ministry
1: of Love Life this morning. Praise God. So just to start us off, you know, like uh, what I would love to do is for you just to share because we do have some new families and maybe some of us have forgotten, but the history of Love Life, what it stands for, what it does, because you're here like, wait, what? why are we coming together and why are we praying on Wednesday? Why am I fasting on Wednesday? Why do I have to go to a prayer walk on Saturday? Should I go? So what, what's Love Life sure, and I, I, the history of it? Are we no, no, excellent.
0: That's great. Well, we'll start with this. Just To, to, be, uh, to be very simplistic, it be a discipleship ministry. It's very much a gospel-centered ministry, so it's not really a cause. Uh, it's it's not. It's uh, I guess it could be considered a cause in some ways, but this is really discipleship for the people of God. Because what Love Life does is, Love Life exists to unite and mobilize the church to create a culture of love and life that will bring an end to the abortion crisis and to the orphan crisis. So our desire, our hope, our great joy is to mobilize the church is to come to the greatest organism on the face of the planet that has the Holy Spirit, the power of the gospel, to change lives, to save lives and change lives. So this, this really is about um, saving the life of babies, absolutely, but far more profound than that. What you to see something deeper than that. This is about saving people's lives spiritually, eternally. Because what love life does is, amen, we can praise God for what he's doing. Um, <laughs> Love Life exists in 15 cities around the country where each, the Love Life chapter engages the local church, mobilizes the body of Christ to be a prayerful, peaceful presence in the community, sharing the love of Christ and the hope of the gospel so babies' lives are saved and people turn to Christ. Because ultimately, what we do is we go to the points of pain, to the places of pain, share the gospel, share the hope of Christ there, and tell moms and dads and families, you do have a choice. There is help. There is hope. And his name is Jesus. Yeah. So we shuttle people from the street to the church. Because again, what's, what's really different about love life, the way love life works. And the tragic reality is that in our city, and you guys know this as well. You've heard it a couple times. In our city, in our nation, the leading cause of death is not heart disease. It's not cancer. It's not, a, not an epidemic. It's abortion. And in Broward County, there's 10,000 abortions every year. Seven abortion centers. In Dade County, there's 34 abortion centers. So if we're doing the math, we're recognizing that, that in the nation, this, is, this area of South Florida leads in that. So in South florida alone, over 40 abortion clinics, over 40 abortion centers. So what Love Life does is we come alongside the church to stand as this peaceful, prayerful presence to share the gospel and to share the hope that's found in Jesus. And the reason why we do it, that's what we do. The reason why is really significant, and you know this. I mean, we know that the truth about me is that God made me and loves me. If we want to be as simplistic as we can, and the simple is is the truth, um, we know this about you, that God made you and loves you. Well, we know this about them, big and small. God made them, and God loves them. And they have hopes and dreams, and the reality is that we can help moms and dads choose life, make a choice to save the life of their children today. So that's, that's really what we do and how we do it. And without the church, this doesn't really—the um, church is the key mover. The church is the key component. Uh, without the church, this is powerless. Um, we don't go to the YMCA with this. We don't, we don't go to the Boy Scouts of America with this message. We come to the church. Uh, this is the only entity that can do anything about it. So that's why
1: we're here. Praise God. So, so I know the first one was in North Carolina, and the founders yeah, want to share sure. a little bit about their heart and, sure. and how that started. Yeah, sure. So
0: historically, so we started in 2016 in Charlotte, North Carolina. The founders are from South Florida. They went to Westminster Christian Academy here in South Florida. They moved their business to, uh, to Charlotte. It's a truck washing business. They're not pastors. They're not clergy. They're just Christians. They're just the body of Christ. They moved their business to Charlotte, North Carolina, opened it, and little did they know that four doors down in the same office park was the largest abortion center in the southeast United States. So their church there locally, they went out to the church, said, hey, listen, why don't you come pray with us? And they showed up for the first time out there, 2012, 2013. That was the genesis of what gripped our founder's heart to say, well, man, where where's the church? There are women and men and families coming here that need help, that need hope. They need, they need a, a sense of, of their, that there are good answers, good help for their, their issue. Where's the church? So that's really the genesis of back in 2016. And then from 2016 to today, now we're in 15 cities around the country. Yeah, And in South Florida, here in South Florida, you, the nest is part of now 50 churches that stand for life. 50 churches that have put their <laughs> doctrine into practice. Amen. Praise God for, for what he's doing. Um, and that's no small thing. Now, we know that there are thousands of Bible-believing, Jesus-loving, gospel-centered, evangelical churches. Thousands. But there are 50 that have now said, we're going to be part of the Love Life family, and we are going to be a prayerful, peaceful presence in the world to stand for life. And 68 babies, I think we're up to 68 babies since Love Life began, have been saved. 68 image bearers of God. Amen. Right? So, and, and here's the, rea- the reality of that is, attached to those babies are moms and dads. Yeah. Aunts and uncles grandparents, family. So we see not just the life of the baby saved, but families transformed. Like the destinies of families have been altered because God saved the life of a baby. And many of those families are being plugged into the church. Many are being mentored now by Christian moms and dads. But guess where the mentors come from? They come from the church. This is why the church is such a needy component in all of this. So Love Life takes people from the street to be mentored, and then from being mentored to be plugged into the local church where they can grow in their faith and be surrounded by people like you who love them.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and I think that's, that's the heart of the gospel, right? It's not just to save the child, but it's yeah. to save the whole family. And I know in our church, like, we've talked about the next generation, the importance of generations, but just the picture of the family and how important that is, uh, that it starts in the family, that, that you know, the gospel and church and all of that is in the family. If the family's lost, you know, the, the next generation's lost, and, and it's so hard. You know? Sometimes you see kids... They come to the Lord. I remember when I was a youth pastor, for example, and we planted our church with my pastor, and, and the youth groups just started to grow up. And a lot of the parents wanted to see, like, what's going on with my kid? They're, 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 they're like, radical. They're being transformed. And then the parents started coming to church because the, the youth were being saved. Their kids were being touched um, by the gospel. So if we could save lives and save families, I mean, you have the whole picture of winning a whole family and and what a testimony that is for other families to say, hey, sure. not only are we saved, but you see this child of ours, the Lord saved them because we were about to, you know, abort. You know, we were about to get rid. And what a testimony! And there's is.
0: there's so many stories yeah. like that. I mean, so so why? That's why we say this is this is more than just a cause. This is this is discipleship ministry. This is biblical manhood. This is biblical womanhood. This is pro-family. That th- this touches all of those areas because, again, if, if men are standing up and protecting their wives and protecting the babies and protecting women as they're called to do, this would impact women in many, many uh, great ways that they would no longer make some of these decisions. And if women were turning and men were turning to see the reality that this is life that we're talking about. See, when we go out to these prayer walks, it's not just to check the box. It's not just to show up and we did a cool thing on Saturday. There's a hundred other cool things you could be doing on Saturday. We go to represent Jesus. We go to be a voice for those that don't have one. We go to help moms and dads see the reality that there are people who will love them, who will help them when they need it. We go because they go there. So here's the reality is we know that nobody, nobody wants to be there. Nobody wants to be there. They don't want to be there. Every single mom and dad that shows up to that clinic, every one of them, the one that we go to and all of them, all of them are hurting. All of them need help. All of them need hope. And they think they, they go there for their solutions and their answers. And, and we don't want to be there. We go because they go. We go because we want to share the hope of the gospel there.
1: Yeah. You know, as he was sharing that, I don't know if have any of you ever been to D.C. and um, you've seen the, I forgot what they're called, but they're the ones that guard the, 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 the tombs of the unknown soldiers. Oh yeah, Are you guys familiar with that? Yes. So the tomb of the unknown soldiers is it's it's one of the most. Uh, I mean, you have to just see it um, with your own eyes and be present to to see the reverence in in DC. It's right by Arlington uh, Cemetery or whatnot, and they have this. Uh, I mean, it's just a beautiful setup. And when you get to the to the tomb of the unknown soldiers, it's uh it's bones from soldiers of every different war that we've been in uh, that they were never able. Um, to be identified, so for, to mem- memorialize them, they put them in these tombs, and, um, and there's these soldiers, and it's the highest uh, ranking soldiers, uh, you should see the, the background check, and, and then the moral code you have to live by um, to be one of these soldiers, like one little slip-up, there is like no grace, like one little slip-up um, to be one of these soldiers, and you're completely like exiled, like you can never serve again. It's like this is the most, like the highest ranking soldiers. And they, all they do is they march in front of these tombs. They march to honor them day and night. And I remember when I went in one of the tours, it was, it was so amazing because they were sharing with us that it doesn't matter if a hurricane comes, if there's, if there's a massive snowstorm, if it's pouring rain, if the sun is beating on them, at all times there's always a soldier there. There is no excuses those guys are going to be honored because no one knows their name by having the soldiers march in front um, of their bones, pretty much. And I just thought about that and I said, wow. And then to see the transfer of soldiers, it, it really just drops your jaw when you see the other one come and they do certain words and certain marches. And then he comes in and fills in for that one. It's like every, I don't know how, what it is, like every 30 minutes or every hour or something. They, tr- they, they transfer and they, you know, substitute the, the different soldier in there. But it really is amazing. And I think that I, I look at Love Life and what you guys do f- as part of that. Because you're, you're, you're fighting for something that, that for some people it's, it's an it or it's, it's, I'm just trying to get, I'm going to get rid of it. And they don't have a name for it. And what I love about Love Life is I follow them and, and I see what they do like on Saturdays. I've seen where it's been raining and they're still out there praying. I've seen when the sun's been beating on them, and they're still out there praying. And they do this for 40 consecutive weeks, right? Yes. 40 consecutive weeks. And it does not matter what's happening, what's coming on during that season of 40 weeks. Love life, you could, you could I mean, put all your money on it. But they're out there, and they're walking, and they're praying, and the, the weather is not going to hold them back. And that's really a testimony. And it just reminded me of that. That's good. That's really good. Of D.C., because what better to do that than, than for these families and for these children? You know, you mentioned families, and we are talking about that. And one of my questions was, like, can you share with us uh, just a story of a, of a transformation that has happened personally with a mom or a father or both of them, with the whole family unit, because of what's happened um, through Love Life and, and also with the local church, how the, the local church may, may have played a role into Absolutely. that transformation?
0: Yeah, sure. That's great. Yeah. Thank you. Um, we, we look at this... We look at what we do. We look at this issue as the greatest moral issue of our day, because quite simply, this is not a—it's not an exaggeration. It's not a—you know—not you know—sharing uh, you know, that that this is something that's out otherworldly. The reality is that this is life and death. That is the just the, the dark reality of where we live in our city, where we live in our nation. That literally, we go to a place that you stand on the edge of that dead-end street. Many of you have been out there, and it is the distance between the two points is really between life and death. So for us, that, that, that makes this issue because what's happening there are the, the ones that are cherished by God, the ones that are made in His image and likeness, the ones whom He cherishes are being taken to the slaughter. And Proverbs tells us that you know, we are called to hold back those being led to the slaughter, to rescue those that are stumbling to their death. Well, right there, they're being led to the slaughter and stumbling to their death and we're called to stand in the gap for them. And one such mom, uh, her name is Tatiana, and this is a pretty famous story around love life circles because Tatiana it was one of the first moms to choose life with love life last year. And it's an incredible story. She showed up to the abortion center visibly pregnant. Um, her mom drove her there. So she went into the clinic, her mom waited in the car, her mom overheard our sidewalk missionaries. And this is a good point that you brought up also. We go on Saturday with the church, but our sidewalk missionaries are there every day, every hour, the clinic is open. Our desire is to to reach moms and dads at every point of the day that that go to this clinic and all the clinics, and we want that witness there. So they're there all the time, and they were there that day reaching out to the mom, reaching out to the grandmother that was there. They were there with a pastor. The grandmother hears something about God being spoken. She walks over to the love life counselors. The love life counselors are trained in a very specific way to say three things initially, God, baby, and help. That there's a God who loves you. There's, there's a God who's made that baby, loves that baby. That baby's a gift to you. That baby is being created in God's image. And that baby's going to call you mama. It's going to call you daddy. You're going to love that child. That child's going to love you. And there is help. And they share that. And that opens up the conversation. And then many more things are said. So the grandmother comes out of the car, reaches the sidewalk counselors. They tell her, listen, go, go, get, go get your daughter. You can be a hero today. Go save the life of your granddaughter. Go get your daughter. So the grandmother calls Tatiana, who's in the office, Tatiana comes out. Well, a conversation ensues. She chooses life right there on the street corner with the, uh, with the pastor that was there, pastors that are there, and the sidewalk counselors. And that was just the beginning, as magnificent as that moment was. For her to turn to choose life over death, as, as beautiful as that was, that was just the beginning of a complete transformation of that family because that led to something else. So love life commits to walk with every woman who chooses life, we commit to walk with them for two years. Two years. So um, nobody else is doing that. Um, and, and Love Life commits nine months through the pregnancy and then an additional year. So the criticism that you only care about the baby, that you only care about the mom making the choice at that moment, that criticism no longer holds water, especially not with Love Life. So the commitment is, well, when the baby's born, we throw them a baby shower. We have, we have baby showers in churches uh, regularly, because there are, there are churches that say, well, oh, we, we want to do that. We, we, can, we can serve that mom. So imagine a mom and a dad and a family, and they show up with their aunts and uncles. They show up with their grandparents. And the church throws them a baby shower. And we have had moms tell us, and, and you know, so simple that we forget this, that they look at us and say, we, we didn't know that people did this. Amazing. You shower them with love. You shower them with food. You shower them with affection. They don't know you. You don't know them but they have chosen life for their child, they've responded to the gospel, and you're loving on them. So the baby shower is the beginning component. From the baby shower, we, we offer them help, so we, we, we get them the resources that they need. Love Life doesn't have the resources, but we know, we partner with great ministries like Hope Pregnancy Center in Broward, Heartbeat of Miami and Dade, Four Kids in Broward County. We partner with, re, with agencies that can give them the resources they need, and we get those resources to the mom. And then we set the moms up with mentors. So, Tatiana's moving through this process, had the baby shower, all of that. She has a mentor that, that's been mentoring her, that's been mentoring the husband, women with women and, da- and men with dads, and then we plug them into the local church. So ultimately, the church is doing and being what the church has always done and been, right? serving and ministering and loving on the people in the community. So Tatiana's been served now at the church. She's plugged into a church. And just, I think about a month ago, four weeks ago, Tatiana got married to her boyfriend, who was the... Father of the child. So, amazing. A a complete transformation from on their way to death, in a broken relationship, in a broken home, with no hope and no help, completely a 180 turn to now with married to her boyfriend then, her husband now, child alive and safe and family connected. They've gotten help from the church. They've gotten help from the body of Christ. And that family, no matter what happened to Roe versus Wade, Roe versus Wade was overturned for that family when she made that decision a year ago. So praise God for that, and that's Tatiana's just one story of many stories that we could share like that. That's
1: awesome. yeah. yeah,
0: and that's that's fruit of the churches. So yeah. yeah, praise God. Yeah, so good.
1: And and I think that's the beauty behind it because it's the church, uh, really, just like you said, you know, mobilizing and, and just standing up and doing what they're called to do in the sense of you know. I'm going to go ahead and we're going to we're going to do life with this person and bring them in and and do their baby shower. And and I'm sure they've done so much more than just a baby shower. Um, One of the things that I love about Love Life, and and I remember writing this down uh, because it's it's always my favorite thing when I speak about it. Um, I've seen throughout the years so many weird things out there. And um, we know that abortion has always been one of these things that, you know, people have always been careful with how to how to present it. How do you speak about it? And uh, because so many different clauses and, and different avenues that people like to speak in regards to abortion, um, but one of the things that I love about it is uh, you know the prayer walks. First off, right, you guys set up those prayer walks, um, but there's always a moment of worship, and I love that. That there's a moment of worship. There's moments of there's moments of prayer, um, which I think is amazing. And then someone's always there to share some sort of info, right, yep. of what's going on um, with uh, one of these uh, centers or what's going on with the specific center that we're located at. Um, but someone always shares something that's going on with the families, kind of like what Pastor Frank's doing right now, um, what's happening even nationwide. So, so that's awesome. But one of my favorite, favorite things is that I love how, how Love Life has set up what he said, sidewalk counselors. And um, th- that for me is just amazing that they're there every single day to pray and to speak to the moms that are, that are, that are going to drive in don't have to do that but they feel like that's what they're called to do and I love that they're called you know they're, they're missionaries and that's their mission field you know mm-hmm. and I love that when you go there through love life it's not weird people with picket signs and they're screaming you know um, they're not that kind of Christians and they're not that kind of you know gospel presentation they're not bashing they're not condemning they're not screaming saying they're going to hell they're not doing any of that it's really when, when I've seen it and I've experienced it It's it's truly what I believe. It's it's a true display of the heart of Christ, and for me, it's one of my favorite things to see that. And uh, and it's it's just an honor to see. You've been there
0: now three or four times that you've been there. and, and I think this is really what's distinctive about what Love Life Dove is really our approach. And look, I've been a pastor in the church for 11 years at two different good churches here in South Florida. Um, so I, I know what pro-life used to be. I, I know what it seemed. And we're really riding the shoulders of some very great work that was done by faithful, godly Christians in our community, in our nation, that have been really on the sidewalks and ministering at the pregnancy resource centers for years love life is riding the shoulders of some of those giants that have done incredible work in our community we remember that often and we celebrate people like hope pregnancy center and heartbeat of miami we celebrate those folks that have done such tremendous work for moms and dads and families but the reality is too that love life approaches this ministry very differently when i first went out there my daughter is the one who really brought my my wife and i out there for the first time i went out there very very skeptical with a very critical eye because I, I know what it used to be, I know what it used to look like, I know what you guys know, what we've seen, what we've heard, what we've read, and I really that's just not me. Um, other people, you know, they, they hold signs, they do things, and that's, that, they do that ministry, and that's comfortable with them, wonderful, but that's really just not, not my style, not me, not my family. So we wanted to see what a different approach was, and uh, they told me just come and look, come and listen, come and absorb, come and watch, and we did. And what we saw was something radically different. And the prayer walk is really just one tool, the tool we use, the main tool that we use to, to mobilize the church. But it is, in fact, just that. And it's just what you said. It's, we're doing three things and three things only. We're praying, we're walking, and we're singing. That is all we're doing. We are really, we're not carrying signs out there. There's no, uh, no harsh language, no condemning language, nothing of the sort. In fact, when the church goes out on Saturday, we read a code of conduct to the church. The code of conduct is very important to love life. And what that says is that the church that day is not going to interact with anyone. So the role of the church that day is not to speak to anyone, not to reach out to anyone, not to call out to moms, not to interact with them, not even to interact with our sidewalk counselors because our sidewalk missionaries are there trained and they're doing their job. The role of the church on Saturday is to pray, to sing, and to walk. And we have seen God move effectively through that in such tremendous ways. Um, So that's really, really important to us. And we've seen now 40 weeks last year we did it. We're on week 30 this year. So 70 weekends we've been out there and there has not been a single incident. Not one in 70 Saturdays, not one incident. And that's God's grace, certainly. But it's also because God has allowed us to do things wisely. For example, we hire and pay for Plantation Police Department to be out there. They um, they shut down the intersection for us, get us across Broward Boulevard safely. They trail on one of the lanes there just to keep everybody safe. And uh, that's just another wise thing that the Lord allowed us to do, just to keep things done in orderly and done well, honoring the Lord. So we, wanna res- we, we know the law, we respect the law at every point, and we handle things that we're going to honor God in that way. So we've seen the prayer walks be very effective for that. And again, over
1: 4,000
0: people have walked with us now in Broward County. Over 4,000 people.
1: So 4,000 people and how many children? Uh, 68. So 68 children saved. 4,000 people have walked. Yeah. And in a matter of how long have you guys been here in South Florida? So
0: since March of last year. So, so a year and a half or so? so a year and a half. Look what God can oh, God.
1: do. You know? Yeah. And, and that's, that's amazing because... I could just imagine like something, oh my goodness, it can never happen. How can something so small, but to see, you know, how, how God, what God has done with just an act of obedience. We started
0: with zero churches. I know. That's so last saying, March, you know? we had no churches. It's crazy, God man. has brought 50 different ministries, 50, di- across the denominational spectrum. Yeah. I mean, it's beautiful. That's, that's, that's- so wait, we have... You know, we have Baptists next to Presbyterians, next to non denominationals I mean, they're Gospel. all gospel-centered, all evangelical churches. But this is why, look, when we say gospel-centered, you know this, Rigo, When we say gospel-centered, it's not a bumper sticker for us. Literally, the foundation and the method of operation for love life comes out of the scriptures. You know the story of Nehemiah, right? Nehemiah heard about the broken down walls in his beloved city, Jerusalem. He was broken over that. So he went to God and prayed, God, what do I do about my city? And then he went to the king, said, I want to go see it. And then he went and did something about it. You know how that story unfolds. Nehemiah chapters 1, 2, and 3. Well, love life says, man, you heard about what's happening in your city. And you're going to pray about what to do and fast about it, some of you. And then you're going to go and see it. He heard, he prayed, he went, and he did something that hear, pray, go, and connect, or go and do, that's the four-step process that we just walk the church through. So the pastors, the faithful shepherds, and, and let me say this, church, something you already know, but um, we're, we're in a lot of churches and go to see a lot of ministries. God has given this ministry a gift, a gift in Pastor Rigo, a gift in, in Nancy, his wife. These are the shepherds. These are the leaders that God has brought to you, has given to the church. If you read Ephesians, you see God gifts the church, with leaders, God gifts the church with pastors and evangelists and all of these kinds of things. And this is no small thing that the man of God teaches the word of God to the people of God. That is no small thing. And we stand, we have great respect for the pulpit. We have great respect for those that revere God's word like your pastor does. So, and, and the proof is in the pudding, as my, family, my grandmother used to say. The proof is I mean, he's leading you to minister and disciple and to grow in your faith whether that's through love life or other opportunities to disciple. But that's what, that's discipleship. That's shepherding. That's how you grow in your faith. You're out there. We're out there flexing our faith muscles. And I just wanted to say thank you. I know you didn't expect that. I didn't tell you, but I, I'm just going to throw that in there because we are grateful for you. We're grateful for Nancy and your leadership of this ministry and the way you guys serve, um, serve the Lord and serve your people. So thank you for that.
1: Amen. So, so praise God, amen to that. But, um, Share with us a little bit, and maybe the, the right way would be educate, right? Educate or give us some information. In, like, we, we look at these centers, and I remember when I went, I took, um, Eli went with me, and Omar went with me, and we just went for that little walk-through, right, run-through. Right. And uh, just being there at that center, it, it just, at least for me, it did. It just did something to me. Like, I yeah. felt something different. And uh, for years, my wife and I, we lived in front of one. Every time we, we would drive, um down the street, we, there was always um, one group, uh, you know, pro, you know, and right, it, there, right, was, right. there was always a battle going on. One side was right. screaming, the other side was screaming, and they had their right. signs. And, and we, we, we drove through that every single day to go home. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm familiar with seeing these centers and this weird feeling that I, always comes upon me. But what I would love is like to educate, like what really happens in these centers mm-hmm. um, as these abortions are being done. Because uh, sometimes I think about like, man, you know, it's more about the money and, yeah. than, and than anything else. Because do they really care do they educate, do they come alongside the moms, the fathers, the families, and to educate them um, before, they, before they go through this process of what this looks like? Or is it just like a one quick step and, hey, good, you know, it's a, it's a money thing and, and they're out of the way. And I feel like that's so important for us to know as well, like what happens in these centers, you know. Um, I know one time I called them a facility. And someone told me, don't call them a facility anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, there's some different languages. And, and I and I and I and I and I actually like that they said that. <clears throat> but but these centers, uh, just share a little bit about like about yeah. that because maybe some of us lack like knowledge in that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And
0: you know, again, there, there are people that that have been part of Love Life. And, and others that have been in this work for many, many decades. In fact, our two sidewalk missionaries, one of them is a retired RN, um, uh, Patty, who's out there on the sidewalk every day, and her partner who's out there, Tom, has been on the sidewalks doing this work in the trenches for 20 plus years. They each have an incredible testimony, probably let them share that with you at some point, but these are the kinds of people that have been in the work, that have been in the battle, that know what's happening. And, and there's just a dark reality that you don't see on TV, that you don't see on commercials, that you don't see in the news. There's just a dark reality to the fact that what is happening there is nothing other than the destruction of life. Let us just be clear. There is the, the evil destruction of life that is happening at, that, at those places. And there's seven abortion centers in Broward, 34 in Dade. They're not all Planned Parenthood. Some of them are privately owned. Many of them are privately owned businesses, and that's exactly what they are. They're money-making businesses. That's what they, they, the the center that we walk through, and and we, we don't call it a clinic, right? We don't call it a clinic because, I mean, there's no healthcare happening there. Certainly not for the baby and not for the moms either because what you don't see, what we don't often see is when the ambulance has to show up and cart a mom off to the hospital, which happens more often than you think. Because the only clinically trained individuals at most of these places are just the abortionist, if there's one or two abortionists. The others that are there, they're not nurses, they're not medically trained personnel, they're people dressed in scrubs that are office personnel and helpers and assistants and that kind of thing. So the only one there is the abortionist. And, and, and what happens at these places is, um, we can get as descriptive as possible, but I, I'm sure you guys, there'll be a time and a place for that. But what, what happens at these places is that the, the lives of children are taken. And this is none other than the death of innocent lives. And we know how God feels about that. We know how God feels about the shedding of innocent blood. We know what God said to Cain at the murder, the innocent murder of his brother Abel. We know what God said to him. I said, where's your brother? Well, am I my brother's keeper? And God looked at him and said, what have you done? The blood of your brother Abel screams to me from the ground. We know how God feels about this. So we understand it from that perspective, but from a a literal, um, uh, practical perspective, that this is the, the death and dismemberment of children in the womb. And we go there, and there are many families that come and they bring children with them. We will hold the baby, we'll hold the child in our arms and say, The child I hold is no different than the child that was led in there. The only difference is size, location, and level of development. But they are just as human. They have dreams, they have hopes, they have destiny, they have future, they have parents. And it, the sad reality of, of this particular place, for example, they do $1.4 to $1.6 million a year on abortion. It is a business. And when you see the abortionist drive his convertible black BMW and parks in the same spot every time, we know that he's there. They see us. They know that we're here. They know that we're praying for them. We tell them we're praying for you. We're we're telling them that, you know, look, God, God loves you, and he's calling you to righteousness. He's calling you to repentance. He's calling you to see life and not death, to see hope and not hopelessness. We say these things to them. They hear us. They know we're there. More importantly, we pray because that's what moves the hearts of men and women. That's what's always done the work. And see, church, this is what we forget. We even say this. What we do, this is not extraordinary work. It's not. This is what the church has always done. The church has always run into the fire. The church has always taken babies out of dumpsters. The church has always ministered to people at their points of pain and disease and misery and helped them and often paid the consequences for that. But this is what the church has always done. So today, we're just calling the church to be the church. We're just calling the church to say, hey, this is is what Christianity 101 looks like. This is what the woman at the well was about. Jesus went to the woman at the well who was hopeless and helpless and needed salvation in Christ, but needed hope. This is what the story of the Good Samaritan's about. The man left for dead, stripped naked, beaten to die on a ditch on the side of the road, and, and the Good Samaritan goes to him. That's what these stories in the scriptures are pointing us to. Listen, we love life because God loves life. It's that, it's that simple and uncomplicated. God cherishes. The only thing, if you notice in Genesis, the only thing that God has said about humanity, that he said about humanity, that he didn't say about any other created thing, he called us, his image and his like humans. We are held to that high standard because God has called us, made after his image and likeness. He says that about nothing else. He cherishes life in the womb. If we need further proof, look no further than Jesus and Mary. When Mary, pregnant with Jesus in her womb, approaches Elizabeth, pregnant with John in her womb, what happened? We know what happened. Jesus and John had a little worship service when when Mary showed up, right? The babies in the womb, alive and reacting. God saw fit to bring the second person of the Trinity through the womb of a woman. Of all, the, of all the ways, of the infinitude of God's mind, that he could have determined Jesus, the second person of to show up on earth, he chose the nine-month journey through the womb of Mary for Jesus to show up. That is a sacred space for God. God is at work in the womb. That's, that's his workshop. That's his workplace. He is doing masterful work. Hey, we were all there. You were all there. We were there. We were all one time in the womb, and God did masterful work there, and that has not changed. Because the baby in the woman's body is a a separate body. It's own DNA. It's own fingerprints. It's own blood type. It's own nervous system. It's own brain activity. It's own. It's different. It's not the same body. It's a different body. That is the life of a person. At this clinic that we go to, for example, they offer student discounts. Students from FIU drive up, from FAU drive down, to receive the discount that's there. This is the heinousness of the evil that exists in our city. So in 1942, 1943, during the Holocaust, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, if many of you know that name, he, um, this is his testimony, he says this, that the churches in Germany, when, when the Jews were lining up in the street to march down to the boxcars that was going to take them to the concentration camps, the church would sing louder so they wouldn't hear the people outside. May that not be the testimony of the church today. May God have mercy on us. We have the opportunity. We have the directive. We have the ability to do something about the death of innocent lives. That's what we're called to do and be. And, and at that center, there's a, lot more, there's a lot more going on there. If Tom and Patty were here, they could share with you some of the intricate details. Two types of abortions takes place there, chemical and surgical. And we know this because we've done our research. We have the lay of the land there. We've got all the details. A lot of that's public knowledge. When a woman walks out with a little black bag in her hand, that's, that's the chemical or the pill abortion. That's two pills. The first pill they take at the center, which stops the production of, of progesterone, which the baby needs. The second pill they take at home. If you can imagine... The gruesomeness and the loneliness and the pain of expelling a child at home alone. That's, that's what happens. And, and this, is, this, this is just the reality of what takes place. So if you've seen movies like Unplanned or you've seen some of these other movies, there's aspects of that are, that are so gripping and so powerful because they're so true. Yeah. And, and the way Love Life approaches this with the grace and the hope and the help of Jesus is because we know two things. That women, um, you know, we we love on the women that are and the families and the men that are making this decision, that are in the middle of making it. We love them and we serve them, and but we don't just only love them, because there are women and men and families that have already made that decision, that have already walked through that, that that are holding on to the pain, that are holding on to the shame, that are holding on to the guilt, that are holding on to all those feelings sometimes for decades. And what we've seen as Love Life as we go to churches and sit with pastors and sit with missionaries and sit with their leaders and sit with their outreach people and their discipleship pastors. We have heard stories come to the surface of people that you may have known for decades that have held this in. And they've held it in because the church has remained quiet. The pastors have said nothing. The church has really remained ostensibly quiet about this issue. So the the people are, well, of course, it's shameful. Of course, I'm going to hold that in. I'm not going to tell anybody about my pain and my shame. So this is bringing healing to the surface. This is bringing the difficulty in the light, and it's exposing the darkness. And you know this, when the darkness is there and the light comes, the darkness has no reason to stay. It can only flee. All right? So that's, that's a beautiful sentiment, and, and part of what love life does is not just care about the women and men that have gone through it, but the ones that have already been through it. This is our call. we call our Restored Life Bible Study Program. We have a post-abortive mom who leads Restored Life to take men and women through this Bible study that will show them help, that will show them healing found in Jesus because they don't have to hold on to that hurt. Love Life's language is we believe that abortion is not the unforgivable sin. It is not. There's hope and there's help, and that's who Jesus is.
1: Wow. I actually want to... I have a question on that and, and something that I wanted you to share. on. But let, let's do this. So you guys can see what a walk is for those that are like, um, I don't know. I think I'm going to go on Saturday. I hope you could make that decision and say, you know what, I'm, I'll be there. And you could scan the barcode. We're going to have a yeah, barcode for you. Uh, but before we talk about the barcode and all these things and ask this, one of these questions, let's show a video real quick yeah. of one of the of last year's, one of the, one of the prayer walks from last year. Enjoy and just, just see the heart behind it. I think it's going to really touch our hearts. Amen. <laughs>
0: Well, that actually is our, is our youth prayer walk from last year. Yeah. So just a great segue that um, this Saturday is the youth prayer walk for this year. And why that's so special and so exciting is because not only is NEST now the the adopting church this week, so you guys get the the forefront of this, but this is going to be led by our our youth. So the worship is going to be led by youth. The singing is going to be led by youth. The praying is going to be led by the youth. And what a beautiful picture to show the the next generation of what it looks like to be standing for Jesus, to be standing for truth, to be standing for hope in the midst of a dark world. And last year we had over about close to 200, under 200, youth that were there. This year, we're expecting much more. And it's just going to be a beautiful picture of that. So we, we want to encourage you to come. I want to encourage you to be there. And, and this is not to check the box. This is not to just say, oh, I came because they told me to come. No, no, no. This is missions work in the city. You're going on a one-hour missions trip. Um, you can go to Cuba. You can go to um, other countries. You can go to Europe for missions trips. And we often do, and we should do that. Global missions is extremely important. But there's a mission in our city Because they're hurting people right outside your doors. Together, we can do that. This Saturday, 9 o'clock, your pastor will be there. Worship team will be there. Other leaders will be there. Come and join your church to stand for truth. And look, I challenge you to do it. I challenge you to see this and be a part of this gospel work because this is what Christians have been called to do to stand for life to stand for truth to be a voice for the gospel in the world. So, call you to do it, I challenge you to do it. Come along with us. This will be a life-changing, affirming experience for all of you.
1: Amen. 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 So you know he he's uh, I'm glad that we shared that video because it's it's kind of what we're going to jump into on Saturday, and uh, like he said we're all going to be there. The leadership um, will be there. I mean I'm just so excited for it. Um, just to be part of something. You know you can't. Sometimes we want to go in and solve the whole thing, but sometimes it's doing just showing up for these things that maybe it's one. You know it's chipping away. It's it's one day we're chipping, one day. But you know the the more you chip at it, the more you chip at it. Yeah. You know eventually. Uh, we believe in the Lord. It, it it falls, it crumbles. So we're just doing the work of the Lord one day at a time. So I'm excited for that. Um, I know I know you have uh, something you want to share on Psalm 139. Yeah. Um, but so I'm not going to share that. It's funny. I asked him, do you you know what? He texted me last night. He's like, well, oh, I have this scripture on Psalm 139. I want to share. And I said, that's funny. That's exactly what I wrote down as well. But just the importance of life. Uh, I wanted just to share that before he gets into Psalm 139, because we know that whenever this is spoken, um, there's people that and he we just we just we just said it. There's some people that are filled with shame and some people that are filled with hurt, some people that don't fully understand this. And I think that the beauty of this and what Scripture shows us in the heart of God, it's not to condemn and it's not to bring anyone down. Um, this is not the unforgivable sin. Um, some, we, we've had within our own church that we've been sharing this and that people have been able to open up and say, I've been living with this shame for so long because, because you know, I've thought about getting an abortion or I went through... An abortion, or, they, or, or I was someone that, that was going to get aborted, and to see some of our very own family to be able to open up from that. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's the process of healing, and that's what God wants to do. The, the Lord doesn't come to bring death and condemnation, but to set us free, to give us life, and life abundantly Amen. is what scripture says. Um, I, I go to uh, John chapter 11, and I think about when Nazareth dies, mm-hmm. and um, everyone's worried the whole scene, you know, and we know the whole situation with Mary and Martha. Um, But when Martha gets word that Jesus is coming, she goes to meet him. And we know that Mary stays behind at the house. And Martha says something. She says, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Um, Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he'll rise when everyone rises at the last day. But I love what Jesus says next. He looks at her and he tells her this. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? And I think that's the question. That's the statement. That Christ comes to bring life, for calling people to believe in him, to have this life, and knowing that even when they do that, there is life forever. And, and that's the message that we're at. We're standing before a place of death, and we're, and we're proclaiming in the one who is the resurrection and the life. And that's what we're doing. That statement to Martha is our statement on Saturday to that place where so much death happens and say we believe in the one who is the resurrection and the one who is life and who gives life abundantly. So I'm just excited for that because that's what we're called for. So share a little bit about 139 and then we'll, we'll come to a place of prayer. Um, For all of this, and and we'll get close to uh, closing up. Amen. Well, you know,
0: church, you know, life is everywhere in the
1: scriptures. I mean, you don't have to go too far to see. I mean, you know,
0: Moses's mom was pro-life, right? It was. She she saved them. She put them in the water. Saved them. So there's their life is all over. I'm going to stand because I can't sit. And there's just too much. You know this. There's too much going on in here, right? So I can stand. Um, We're going to just spend a few moments in Psalm 139. So if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and take just a moment. Turn to one Psalm 139. I know that it's a very familiar place. Uh, and it's familiar because it's got some famous uh, verses there, but I kind of want to look at it from a 30,000-foot view. I kind of want to look at Psalm 139 and see the beautiful thing that God is doing through David the psalmist, David the, the, the shepherd, David the, the giant slayer, David the empire builder, David the sinner, David the king wrote these words, and I just kind of want our hearts to grasp. Because look, what today is about um, is about the word of God being shared to the people of God. What Saturday is about, it's it's about glorifying the Lord. It's about glorifying Christ by by putting feet to our faith, by exercising our faith. And here in the psalm, this is a lot of why we do what we're doing. Because as you look at Psalm 139, I'm going to read it. It's only... 24 verses. Let me read through the psalm, and then we're just going to kind of pull out some great truths that are already in there that I want us to see at, that gets affixed to our hearts. So bear with me, pastors. Let me read through Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there's any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Amen. And we're gonna, we're gonna just look at that psalm and just wanna, I kinda, you can break it up into three sections. Um, and there's a couple of ways you can do that. So, for example, verses 1 through 12, he knows you. Verses 3 through 16, he formed you. And verses 17 through 24, he is for you. you can break it up that way. He knows you, he formed you, and he's for you. You can also break it up into where the first 15, first 12 verses, we're seeing God's great attribute of omnipresence. And then in the next section, we're seeing God's great uh, power of omnipotence in verses 13 through 16. Or verses 17 through 24, we're seeing God's omniscience. So what God is showing you, what David is showing us about the Lord there is these three incredible characteristics of who he is, his omniscience, His omnipresence, his omnipotence, his power, his presence, and how he knows everything. We're seeing that through the psalm. So even if we look at some of the verses, look how he starts, how intimate God is with us. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you have known me. This is intimacy that God has with his people. If you were to drop down, look at verse 5. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. And then that, that is both protection and tenderness at the same time. You hem me in behind and before. That's God's protection over his people. You lay your hand upon me, that is God's help. That is God's tenderness upon his people. So this is how God, this is how David is framing what who God is, because at the end of the day, what this psalm is going to say to us, who God is, allows us to understand who and whose we are. Who God is allows us to understand who we are and whose we are. This is what we're seeing throughout the the, 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 the different verses here. In, in verse 5 that we just read, lay your hand upon me. The New Living Translation says it even more tenderly, I think. It says, You place your hand of blessing on my head. I mean, this is how God sees us, his people. This is how he treats us, his people. In verse 7. In verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. God's God's knowledge of us, God's knowledge of you, his knowledge of me is extraordinary. It's incomprehensible. It is far way and above what we know or what we can understand. This is who God is. In verse 7, where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? Those are rhetorical. You can't run from God. We can't hide from him. You're going to see in a moment that even even if it's dark, that's not dark to God. We can't run, we can't hide from him. We are never alone. So there's two aspects to that that's really important. Number one, you can't run and you can't hide from God. He sees, he knows, he understands. And number two, you are never alone. Even if you're the only one in the room, you are never alone. Even if you are isolated by yourself, you are never alone as the people of God because God is with you. There's nowhere you can run from him. And he continues on that track in verses 9, 10, and 11 that we're seeing that. But look with me then at verse 12. Even the darkness is not dark to you, the night is as bright as the day. And then verses 13 through 16, the next section He formed you, He created me, He created you. You formed my inward parts, He knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I mean, we know those verses. But today, see it with fresh eyes. See it in context of, I mean, God, God knows me, God formed me, and God is for me. So for you and for me, for those babies out are there, God knows them. God formed them and is forming them. And God is for them. In, in, in verse 14, in verse 15, in verse 16, we see the words made. This is God's omnipotence. This is God's creative genius. When, he, when Paul says that we are God's masterpiece in the book of Ephesians, this is the intent that God has done a masterful work in creating you and me. Yes, you can look at the person next to you and say, you are God's masterpiece. I know we may not think that sometimes, but the reality is that God, the, 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 the pinnacle of God's creative effort is you, and it's me, and it's those babies. So you can see now where life is tied into all of what God is saying through David, his king, in these verses. God formed you. I praise you from fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. Verse 15, he sees me. My frame was not hidden from you, Lord. My frame was not hidden from you in the dark place, in the secret place. I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. The depths of the earth to the ancients meant a place they didn't see, a place they didn't understand. It was the womb here in this case. You formed me before there were days written for me. You saw my unformed substance. God sees these children in the womb. Just like he saw you. Just like he saw me in the womb. He sees these children in the womb. And now his thoughts are for me. So his thoughts are for me. Look at verse 17. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I could count them, they're more than the sand. I awake and I'm still with you. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. He is for us. And now look at his omniscience as we drop down to verse 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there's any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. I mean, God knows all there is to know about you. He knows more about you than you or I do. And, and in these verses, we see that through the pen of David, God is, is sharing with us that, that, yes, not only is he omnipresent, he's everywhere and can see everything. Not only is he omnipotent, all-powerful in every way. Not only is he omniscient, he knows everything before and after. He knows everything with us. But David's heartfelt song about the presence of power of God is moving because he's speaking about you and about me. And because as we see God and know who God is, we begin to see who we are and whose we are. And this is, this is David's prayerful meditation on God. This is his wonderful song about this is what God has done. He knows you. He's formed you. And he's for you. So when we sing God is for you, this is where it comes from. When we say God knows you, this is where it comes from. When we say, well, those babies have value, those babies have worth, they have dignity, they have significance because God made them, because they are made in his image and his likeness. I mean, this is why even bullying in school is offensive to us. When your child gets bullied or when we see a person get bullied, why, do we, why does something rise up in us? Why does something say to us that that is an injustice? Because that person has value. Because that person has significance. It doesn't matter what they look like. Doesn't matter what they sound like, doesn't matter where they're from, doesn't matter the condition of their economy, doesn't matter what side of the tracks they live on, that person has value and significance and dignity and worth because they, like you and me, are made in the image and likeness of God. That's why they have worth. All of them. And and, and in these verses, we see God telling us, man, He knows this about us. There's intimacy and tenderness. And then in that second section, God says He formed you, He made you. He made you in your mother's womb. This is God's creative effort. This is his work in the womb, that sacred space. And we say that to men and women and families when they're out there. Do you know what God has done for you? He's given you this gift that's going to call you mama. It's going to call you daddy. You're going to love that baby, and that baby's going to love you back. This is what we tell moms and dads. And you asked me about a story earlier. There are many stories that we can share of what moms and dads have told us. And they, they come to know that, oh, this is... This is a gift for me. This is life for me. And then he's for you in that last section. God is worthy. He's worthy of our attention. The stand for life is worthy of the church of God because God knows you, because he formed you, and because he's for you. And that's really, there's more in Psalm 139, but this gives you kind of a broad thousand foot view of of this, who God knows, who God sees, and how we understand him. So, Thank you for looking at that with me. I just hope that 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 challenges your mind, that challenges your heart. When you go home, read through that psalm with a fresh set of eyes. Sit and meditate on what God is saying here because he's saying it about you. He's saying it about me. He's showing you his love for you and his tenderness for you. So spend time in this today. I hope this was encouraging for you. I know this isn't a full sermon and we didn't go through every verse, but may this lead you, prompt you to kind of dive in and on your own time with the Lord, seek him in this for you will grow from it. Thank you for your time and attention. God bless you guys.
1: Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, and, and as we just get ready just to pray, um, what a reminder, you know. Lord, we thank you because you're letting us know who you are. And as, if we know who you are, Lord, we know who we are and whose we are. And uh, like you said, go back and read that. And, and what a beautiful um, call um, we have, and I wonder if we will answer that call. And it starts by saying, you know what, I'll be there. I'll be there on Saturday. I'm going to go and pray with you guys. I'm going to go and do the walk with you. I'm going to go worship. Yeah. And uh, we're going to go fight and be a voice for them. Amen. And uh, we're just going to come alongside the church. And what a beautiful thing. We're going to be filled with youth as I think it's about six or seven youth groups yeah, that committed. Yeah, there's about six youth groups that are coming yeah, that have committed. So, so, so. It's going to be just yeah. an amazing time. Make sure you're there. Um, I know that they, they had the address up. Hopefully you took a picture. If not... Go to the Hype Center. Yeah. Um, Can they scan the QR code yeah, They put it up? They'll put the QR code up there. If not, the Hype Center will have the QR code up there for you guys so you could register. They have the shirts ready for yeah, you, Yeah, Let wristbands. me just let me
0: just mention that. So out at the table, we'll have a way for you to register for the prayer walk. That's the goal today that together, it's going to be special because your church is going on Saturday. So register for the prayer walk. You'll get, this will trigger an email to you during the week where you'll get the details of the time, the location, any housekeeping notes, that kind of thing. You'll get all of those details. If you register today, you'll get that. And yeah, we'll have t-shirts for you now. Uh, Rigo's modeling for us the volunteer shirt. So even if you want to volunteer Volunteer, even if there's a, a space for you where you see what is God doing in my heart that I can, I can be a mentor, or I, I want to be a sidewalk missionary, I want to reach moms, or I want to mentor a family, or I want to come and serve and set up and tear down, do those kinds of things. All of those opportunities will be available for you on Saturday at the prayer walk, and our volunteers get the gray shirt, and all the prayer walkers get the blue shirt, so we'll have these available for you on Saturday.
1: Amen. Excited for it. Join me in prayer. Lord, we thank you, Lord, and we love you. Thank you for this awesome Sunday, for this beautiful day you've given us, a time of worship, testimony, and Lord, just to really hear um, the heart of Love Life. It's not every day that we could just pause what we're doing and um, have Pastor Frank just come and share uh, just the details of Love Life and and exactly what this ministry is called um, for and into and that how we have partnered and come alongside and, and what the role of the local church is. And we just thank you because we could just um, have knowledge of that and that you would stir up our heart, Lord God, to, to, to take action, Lord, and uh, to be kingdom-minded and to have our, 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 our desire to fight for the things of the kingdom, for what you will fight for, what you fight for, for what, you, what hurts your heart, what breaks your heart, that we would speak for what the things that you speak for um, as you spoke David's uh, penmanship, Lord. So we thank you for all the things that were said today. We pray that you would spark in us, Lord, spark something, Lord, that would cause us to respond to it, Lord. And that, Lord, this Saturday, we would just see a a mighty move, that we would see moms and, and dads be reconciled, children be saved, but that we would see the church rise up. And uh, to be uh, the healing of the land, that we would truly be your arms and feet, Lord, uh, this weekend. So we thank you. I pray for our church as we come together on Wednesday, as we open up the doors, as we'll be here at 7.30. We'll be in prayer and fasting, that you would just uh, um, be with us and move also here in, in preparation for Saturday. So we give all of this to you. We give you all the glory and all the honor, all the praise. We lift up your name, Jesus Christ. And together we say, yes, Lord. And amen. Come on, give God some praise. Amen.